You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the Supreme Court implements a temporary block on the Trump tax records, Pakistan's recently ousted prime minister was shot, and the Pennsylvania debate between Fetterman and Oz didn't really affect the polls. Here's your national news recap for the week of October 30th. The Supreme Court is temporarily blocking former President Trump's tax records from being given to Congress. Chief Justice John Roberts blocked the House Ways and Means Committee from getting years of tax returns of the former president. This comes a day after Trump's lawyers filed an emergency application with the Supreme Court asking for a delay. President Biden is promoting his administration's student loan debt relief program as the midterm elections are less than a week away. My administration is working to provide up to $10,000 in student debt relief and up to $20,000 if the person seeking the relief received a Pell Grant. While campaigning for Democrats in New Mexico, Biden said more than 40 million Americans stand to benefit from the program and nearly 26 million have already applied for forgiveness. The president criticized Republicans who have filed lawsuits to stop the relief. He said GOP lawmakers who received PPP loans during the pandemic and had them forgiven are hypocritical. The debt relief is temporarily on hold as legal challenges play out. Republicans argue Biden overstepped his authority with the program. The top Republican in the House says his party won't make cuts to the Social Security if they win the election next week. California's Kevin McCarthy insisted Democrats are desperate as they bring up this line of attack so close to the election. He also said Democrats are worried about losing seats all over the country. McCarthy is in line to become Speaker of the House should Republicans win back the chamber. Here's a commitment to America. What does it say in there? To save and strengthen Social Security and Medicare. This simply means is we're not touching it. President Biden is blasting Republican candidates who he claims won't accept the results of Tuesday's midterms. At a Democratic National Committee event near the U.S. Capitol Thursday, Biden said these Republicans create a path to chaos. Recent polls have Republicans gaining some momentum in key races across the U.S. Former President Trump begins his final midterm election push with a rally in Iowa Thursday. He was in Sioux City as the state has key races for governor and U.S. Senate. Trump will then head to Pennsylvania for a rally on Saturday as the Commonwealth Senate race between Democrat John Fetterman and Republican Mehmet Oz is being closely watched. Trump will be in Miami on Sunday before finishing with a rally in Dayton, Ohio on Monday. The latest election polling done by the University of Houston found that immigration was the second biggest issue for voters in Texas behind inflation. Republican Congresswoman Myra Flores says she hears about it a lot on the campaign trail in her border district. This administration has policies that encourage people to come here to the United States illegally. 
Her opponent, Vincent Gonzalez, endorsed a strategy of safe zone checkpoints for people arriving at the border, allowing them to follow the legal asylum process without relying on cartels or human traffickers. Paul Pelosi is being released from the hospital after he was allegedly attacked with a hammer in his San Francisco home last week. The husband of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi suffered a fractured skull and serious injuries to his hands and arms. The suspect, 42-year-old David DePop, is facing several charges, including attempted murder. Friday will mark 30 years since Dianne Feinstein became a senator from California. It would make her the longest-serving female senator in U.S. history, surpassing former Maryland Senator Barbara Mikulski. In a statement from Feinstein's office, she said it's an incredible honor to become the longest-serving female senator in the nation's history, and she's forever grateful to Californians who choose to have her represent them. She ran for office in 1992. The White House says U.S. Embassy officials in Russia met with jailed WNBA star Brittany Griner. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters aboard Air Force One that Griner is doing as well as can be expected under the circumstances. Griner was arrested at an airport in Moscow early this year after Russian officials said she was carrying vape canisters containing cannabis oil in her luggage. She lost her appeal last week over a nine-year drug sentence. Sacramento is starting a new method to summon residents for jury duty. Ginger Durham, jury commissioner, says the letters you usually get are being replaced with postcards. The change will make the process more efficient and save around $60,000 a year just in printing and postage costs. Durham says you'll know it's a jury summons when you see it. The postcard will say official jury summons across the top of it. They'll start showing up in mailboxes as early as November 21st. I'm Allie Bruce and that was your national news. This is Connor Brown with your international news report. All sources coming from the BBC. Pakistan's ousted Prime Minister Imran Khan has survived a gun attack on his convoy while holding a protest march in the eastern city of Wazirbad. He was wounded in the leg when a burst of gunfire hit his vehicle. One person was killed and at least five others were injured. There was no immediate official comment on the motive for the attack, which allies say was an assassination bid. The protest march has been called to demand early elections. Mr. Khan, 70 years old, was leading the march, which was meant to end in the capital, Islamabad. The former international cricket star turned politician was seen being taken to a hospital in Lahore. Party spokesman said he had been hit in the shin. He was in stable condition, said an official from his PTI party, Provisional Health Minister Yasmin Rashid. Police released a video confession of a man they arrested who say they attempted to kill the former prime minister. It is unclear under what conditions the interview was carried out, but in it, the man is asked by police why he opened fired and he replies he was misguiding the people i wanted to kill him i tried to kill him video footage from the scene shows mr khan and his supporters on a shipping container being towed by a lorry before a burst of gunfire is heard mr khan is then seen ducking as those around him try to cover him another video shows a conscious mr khan with a bandage on his right leg being taken away in a vehicle after the shooting a pti member is also seen with a bandage on his face and blood on his clothing saying that people should pray for mr khan and all those injured. This was an attempt to kill him, to assassinate him. Mr. Khan's senior aide, Raouf Hassan, told AFP News Agency. Current Prime Minister Shabazz Shafir condemned the shooting and ordered an immediate investigation. And for our second story of the day, Tokyo has begun rolling out a partnership certificate scheme to same-sex couples, allowing them to be treated as married couples for certain public services for the first time, but falling short of marriage equality. 
Some hope this may be a step towards the whole of Japan embracing equality. It is currently the only country in the G7 group of developed nations which doesn't recognize same-sex unions. However, recent polling suggests most Japanese support gay marriage. According to a survey conducted in 2021 by Japan's public broadcaster NHK, 57% were in favor, while just 37 were against. Despite the widespread support, a district court in Asuka ruled earlier this year that the existing ban on same-sex marriage was constitutional. Then in October, Noboru Watanabe, a local representative for the ruling Liberal Democratic Party, called same-sex marriage disgusting. The comments were widely criticized. Yet, there is a movement towards greater equality. The scheme being rolled out in Tokyo metropolitan area was first established in one of the districts back in 2015, since spreading to nine more wards in six cities in the west of the metropolitan area, according to the Asani Simbun news site. The new metropolitan-wide scheme will bring it to all areas of the capital in its population of 14 million. The partnership certificate, which has also been introduced in eight other prefectures across Japan, will allow same-sex couples to be treated the same as married couples when it comes to housing, medicine, and welfare, but they will not help with issues like adoption, inheritance, and spousal visas. And Anyone aged over 18 who either lives or works in Tokyo is allowed to apply, with 137 applications having been submitted by Friday. For couples like Mickey and Katie, the certificate takes a weight off their minds. My biggest fear has been that we'd be treated as strangers in an emergency. Mickey, who asked they referred to only by their first names, told news agency AFP. Soyaka Yamamoto, an LGBT rights campaigner who was among the first to collect her certificate on Tuesday, told reporters she sincerely hoped we can accelerate efforts to create a society where the rights of sexual minorities can be protected and made more equal. And for the third and final story of the day, North Korea has fired an intercontinental ballistic missile, but it failed mid-flight, says the South Korean military. The ICBM launch, the North's seventh this year, sparked an alert in Japan, but fell short, landing in the sea. Tensions are escalated amid fears the North will soon conduct a nuclear test. On Wednesday, both Koreas fired missiles near each other's waters. The exchange saw the most number of missiles launched by North in a single day. North Korea's multiple launches comes as the U.S. and South Korea are staging their largest ever joint air drills, which Pyongyang has strongly criticized as aggressive and provocative. On Thursday, North Korea fired a long-range missile at around 7.40 local time, according to a statement from South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff. A source confirmed with the BBC that it was an ICBM. It flew for about 472 miles and reached a height of 1,920 kilometers, but the launch was presumed to have ended in failure, South Korea's military said. Pyongyang also fired two short-range ballistic missiles. The launch has led the Japanese government to issue a rare emergency alert on Thursday morning to residents in some of its northern regions, telling them to stay indoors. Prime Minister Fumio Kishida later condemned North Korea's repeated missile launches, calling them an outrage. The U.S. said the launch demonstrated the threat North Korea's missile program poses to neighbors in international peace and security. Our commitments to the defense of the Republic of Korea and Japan remain ironclad, a State Department spokesman said. And that was Connor Brown with your international news report. This is the local news, and I am Carly Murray. Polls show that the Pennsylvania Senate debate between John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz did not have significant effects. The race is predicted to be very tight with voters unsure about issues such as Fetterman's health and Oz's recent migration to Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania election holds a lot of importance for both parties. Two police officers were wounded by a gunman on a rooftop in Newark on Tuesday, resulting in a neighborhood and school lockdown. Both officers are currently in stable condition with neck and leg injuries. The suspect has not yet been apprehended. 
A lifelike doll was found hanging from a tree in Gloucester County that witnesses say resembled a black child. Authorities are still investigating this incident, which was discovered in a wooded area two miles away from Rowan University on Halloween. A Massachusetts man will spend life in prison for the 2016 murder of a New York City woman who worked at Google. Angelo Colin Ortiz attacked and murdered 27-year-old Vanessa Marcotte while she was out walking during a family visit. Years after her death, police were able to link Colin Ortiz through DNA evidence, and he pleaded guilty last week. Marcotte lived in New York City and had been with Google since 2015. Her family has since established a foundation in her name offering self-defense workshops and violence prevention education for women. A Brooklyn bakery employee is dead after getting trapped inside of a walk-in freezer. Police say the 33-year-old victim seems to have frozen to death. Co-workers discovered the body at the iconic Beigel's Bakery on Avenue D near East 56th Street. Police say that the employee apparently got stuck overnight while cleaning the freezer and was there for about five hours before being discovered at around 8.45 Thursday morning. New York's Attorney General is announcing a more than half a billion dollar opioid settlement with Teva Pharmaceuticals. The Israeli company with U.S. headquarters in New Jersey is one of the world's largest manufacturers of opioids. Letitia James is calling the $523 million agreement a monumental milestone in her fight against the opioid crisis, which continues to claim the lives of 100,000 Americans a year. The settlement imposes a ban on high-dose opioids and prohibits Teva from marketing opioids and funding third parties that promote them. It is the largest opioid settlement in New York history. Midterm elections are less than one week away. Governor Kathy Hochul held a rally Thursday in Manhattan with Vice President Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. The Powerball jackpot is estimated to be $1.5 billion for today's drawing, nearing a record high. There were no top prize winners for Wednesday's $1.2 billion jackpot, but numerous other smaller prize tickets sold nationwide. There was a $1 million ticket sold at the Smokes for Less store in Newburgh, New York. There were three $1 or $2 million tickets sold in New Jersey. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is the first elected official to get behind the new Buy Legal Cannabis Initiative. The national campaign kicked off at the Black Cannabis Expo in New Orleans to educate adult consumers on the benefits of buying cannabis through the legal market rather than on the street. The governor noted that since adult-use cannabis has become legal in New Jersey, the state's Cannabis Regulatory Commission has established a market that's catalyzed economic growth in local communities and created safe product standards. He also noted that cannabis isn't immune to the illegal market and this campaign will help protect the ability of local, regulated cannabis enterprises to do business both both safely and with accountability while protecting the safety of consumers. New Jersey authorities are indicting 15 people accused of running a gun trafficking ring in Patterson. Attorney General Matthew Platkin says it's all part of Operation Bad Santa, explaining that those involved in the scheme called the firearms toys. Authorities allege that Travis Thomas helped to transport more than 120 firearms from South Carolina into New Jersey between December 2018 and December 2021. At least four guns connected to the operation have been recovered during drug arrests and at crime scenes. The 39-count indictment lays out a slew of charges for Thomas, while 14 suppliers and middlemen are charged with racketeering, conspiracy, and weapons offenses. I am Carly Murray, and that was the local news. I'm Dante DiValeria with your Rowan News. The College Media Association has named Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM Best for your Radio Station of the Year. 
WGLSFM's top finish marks the first four-year radio station of the year honor for Rowan Radio at the Pinnacle Awards, a competition that includes finalists from Oregon State University, University of South Carolina, Marshall University, and North Carolina State University. Previously, WGLSFM was a finalist in 2013 and in 2017. Rowan Radio last achieved Station of the Year honors in 1997 from the National Association of College Broadcasters. This is the second national accolade for the station this year. In July, the National Association of Broadcasters named Rowan Radio a finalist in the Marconi Awards for Best College Radio Station. Presented by the College Media Association, the annual Pinnacle Awards salute the best in college media during the organization's convention, and this year's competition netted nearly 3,000 nationwide entries. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM has won more than 350 regional and national awards since 1993. Building an institution-wide commitment to creativity and entrepreneurship, the Roan University Foundation Board has named Michael Connellon Jr. Chair of the Roan Innovation Venture Fund, its in-house venture capital arm. Created with $5 million in 2014 to seed promising startup ideas, the RIVF this summer received an additional $20 million from the foundation to back a growing portfolio of scalable businesses from within and outside the Rowan University community. A year 2000 Rowan graduate in business administration and finance who also studied international finance at Conventry University in the United Kingdom and entrepreneurship at Cornell University, Conlon has more than 20 years experience in the securities financing industry, driving business growth in New York, London, and Hong Kong. He is currently Executive Director and Senior Relationship Manager with J.P. Morgan Chase & Co.'s Agency Securities Finance Business. Conalon serves J.P. Morgan's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts as the America's co-led of the Community Outreach and Philanthropy Workstream, which aims to form sustainable and lasting partnerships with organizations and individuals to better connect, partner with, and impact communities. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Starting with the NFL, let's debrief the latest moves following Tuesday's 4 p.m. trade deadline. To start off the deadline activities on Tuesday, the Detroit Lions dealt tight end TJ Hawkinson to NFC North rival the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit sent Hawkinson a 2023 fourth-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. The Vikings sent their 2023 second-round pick and a 2024 third-round pick to replace starting tight end Irv Smith Jr., who was out for 8-10 to 10 weeks with a high ankle sprain. Checking on another NFC North team, the Chicago Bears dealt 25-year-old linebacker Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens in exchange for a 2023 second and a 2023 fifth-round pick, along with linebacker A.J. Klein. Just one week after dealing edge rusher Robert Quinn, the fire sale continued for Chicago's defense. Sticking with the Bears, Chicago acquired former second-round draft pick wide receiver Chase Claypool in exchange for a 2023 second-round pick separate from the one acquired in the deal with Baltimore. 
Wrapping up the bigger deals of the trade deadline, the Denver Broncos dealt star edge rusher Bradley Chubb to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for a 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 fourth-round pick, and running back Chase Edmonds in exchange for Chubb and a 2025 fifth-round pick. Shortly after, Miami locked up their 26-year-old star to a five-year, $110 million extension as Bradley Chubb gets his payday. In the final big trade of the afternoon, the Atlanta Falcons shipped the former 26th overall pick in 2018, Calvin Ridley, to the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for a conditional 2023 fifth-round pick and a conditional 2024 second based on Ridley's time of reinstatement. Ridley was suspended an entire year by the NFL for his involvement in betting on Atlanta Falcons games. And lastly for the NFL, Dan Snyder has begun the process of fielding offers for the Washington Commanders, with Jeff Bezos interested in purchasing the franchise, along with rapper Jay-Z. Switching to the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets have been in the midst of controversy recently due to point guard Kyrie Irving. Irving shared the link to an anti-Semitic documentary titled, quote, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, end quote a film that contains a surplus of anti-Semitic slurs and actions. Since the post of this link on his Twitter and Instagram, Irving has yet to apologize, raising uproar on social media and in the NBA. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver released a statement saying he was, quote, disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology, end quote. Silver plans to speak with Irving next week. In the meantime, the team has suspended Irving five games for his lack of apology, eventually forcing Irving to apologize. Ahead of Irving's suspension, Nets fired head coach Steve Nash after their disappointing 2-6 and six start to the season. Former Celtics head coach Ime Udoka has been rumored to be the frontrunner for the job, despite being suspended for one year by the Celtics organization for sexual misconduct in the workplace. And last but certainly not least, the World Series continues in Major League Baseball as the Astros and Phillies continue to trade blows in this one. The World Series will head back to Houston with the Astros leading three games to two following the Astros' combined no-hit performance in a Game 4 win and their 3-2 victory in Game 5. If the Phillies want to capture their first World Series championship in 14 years, they'll have to win two straight games on the road, taking down the Astros in seven. Once again, this is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks lower after the Federal Reserve announced another rate hike Wednesday. The central bank also hinted it wasn't slowing down anytime soon with raising rates. Many investors expect the market to act like a seesaw until it's clear inflation has cooled off. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 146 points to 32 to 1, the S&P 500 dropped 39 points to 37 to 19, and the Nasdaq lost 181 points to 10 to 342. The Labor Department is reporting a jump in job openings in September. Figures show there were 10.7 million job openings, that's over half a million more than the previous month. The number of hires and separations declined in September. The biggest increases in job openings were in accommodation and food services, followed by healthcare, social assistance, and transportation. The Federal Reserve is raising interest rates once again in a bid to fight inflation. The Fed has steadily hiked rates this year as inflation shot up. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Takeoff, one of the three members of the Atlanta rap group Migos, is dead. Police say he was shot in Houston early Tuesday morning. 
The 28-year-old rapper, whose real name was Kershkin Ball, was with his uncle and another Migos rapper, Quavo, his cousin, for Halloween. Police say they were called to a shooting in a bowling alley after a fight broke out and shots were fired. They arrived to find a large crowd around a man with a gunshot wound to the head or neck area. Quavo was not hurt, but two other people were shot and taken to the hospital. The investigation is still ongoing. The wife of Chadwick Boseman is sitting down for an interview for the first time since the actor's death in 2020. Simone Boseman spoke with Whoopi Goldberg and said her husband's health started to spiral during the coronavirus pandemic. Boseman said she can't believe she was so lucky to love Chadwick and how lucky she was that he loved her too. Taylor Swift is now the first artist to lock down the top 10 spots of the Billboard Hot 100 in one week. Any Hero tops the list and is only contested by other songs on her latest record. Additionally, Taylor Swift will head out on her first tour since 2018 next year. The singer announced the Eros Tour Wednesday that will see her perform a career-spanning set including music from her latest album, Midnight's. The tour is set to kick off on March 18th at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Swift will have 27 dates, including stops in Las Vegas and Nashville, before wrapping up on August 5th in Los Angeles. She'll be bringing along the who's who of indie and rock acts to open for her, such as Paramore, Phoebe Bridgers, and Girl in Red, among others. Selena Gomez is bringing nostalgia to the fans with her recent visit to Waverly Place in New York City. The street was referenced in the title of the Disney Channel's Wizards of Waverly Place, where Gomez starred as a teen witch Alex Russo. The show first aired in 2007 and wrapped in 2012. Gomez took to Instagram to share the photo of herself on the corner of Waverly and 10th Street, captioning it where it all began. The photo comes just days before the release of her Apple TV Plus documentary, My Mind and Me, which was released yesterday. Nonprofit Headcount says Harry Styles helped register thousands of new voters as part of its Good to Vote initiative ahead of the midterm elections. He brought a record 54,000 new voters for a chance to win free tickets to his Harry Wynn show in Los Angeles, which was a record in the organization's 18-year history. Headcount called the spike an unprecedented number for a midterm season. History is being made on the Great White Way. On Wednesday, a Broadway theater became the first to be named for a black woman. The Brooks Atkin Theater was renamed the Lena Horn Theater with a ceremony to celebrate. Horn, who died in 2010, had a groundbreaking career including films, TV, and Broadway, and she won a special Tony Award and two Grammy Awards. I'm Karina Colon, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.